Hello, welcome to the Hope Motivates Action podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Recknell, and I'm very excited to have Denise Summers with us here today. Hello, Denise. Hi, Lindsay. Nice to be here. I am so glad to have you here. You and I have connected an, any number of times um, over a nice breakfast or lunch at Ricky's. And um, I know we've shared a lot of the same. We have we have a bit of a shared history, um, some common themes throughout our life. And I'm excited to hear how hope has been a big motivator for you in your life and have you share your story and your journey with, uh, with the listeners as well. Okay. Yeah. I will uh, read your official bio and let people know who you are and what you do. And then I'll throw it over to you and you can tell us about your journey um, as well. Okay. Great. So Denise is the principal of Amphora Communications and the host of Stand Out, a video interview series celebrating women founders and business leaders published on Calgary Business Digital News Platform. Previously, she held a number of communication advisory positions in the energy, financial, and nonprofit fields. Since 2007, Denise has consulted to many sectors, including energy, construction, nonprofit, healthcare, and finance, hoping to, helping to tell the stories of and create meaningful change for many organizations. She's able to adapt her storytelling and writing skills to projects as diverse as a multinational oil company needing help during a takeover to bring new employees into the future, to ghostwriting the first business book for a successful local HR consultancy, to media pitching for a First Nations coloring book and journal. Very, very cool. And such a wide, you have a very uh, a good depth and breadth of experience. It's very cool. Very, very cool. Thank you. I am really excited for people to hear your story. It is a story of resiliency and tenacity and of hope weaving it all, uh, weaving through it all. So Denise, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Oh, well, great. Thanks, Cindy. And thanks for that uh, lovely introduction. And uh, great to be here. And nice, and nice to see you again. It's been a while and I miss those uh, breakfasts at Ricky's. So we'll have to do that when we can again soon. I look forward and, to it. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and, and you and I really connected um, about hope and, and about our um, uh, past stories. And uh and certainly hope has been, uh, has had to be very present in my life to, to get me to where I am today. And uh, as you and I have talked, I've um, uh, had an interesting life with uh, lots of amazing and wonderful things and also some very challenging times as well. And uh, I come from uh an interesting background where there was uh, a lot of um, challenges, some some abuse, and and so on, and uh, a very strict religious upbringing, uh, which, yeah, just didn't work for me. And as a, a young woman, I was very uh, shut down and uh, turned to alcohol, and uh, became a, a an alcoholic, and I now have. 23 years of sobriety, uh, and certainly hope played a, a big role in uh, in getting to uh, in leaving the alcohol behind and and becoming sober for for this length of time. And without hope, I uh, that there was a, a better way to live. I would have uh, likely just kept drinking, and so. During that time as well, or to the sort of towards the very end of my um, uh, drinking career, I uh, 
um, got married again. And I was in a very vulnerable place and uh, was not that long out of a, a previous marriage where I had two children and got married um, too soon, too quickly. And what appeared to be um, a wonderful person was in fact a, a very violent and um, sociopathic person, and so we were uh, we were married for about two years, and then I left a number of times, and and the last time I left, I um, ended up in Discovery House, a uh, long term shelter for women in Calgary uh, that are at very high risk. And that was probably the low point of my life. And well, not probably it was. And that, um, to stay there and to do that, I had to have hope that things would get better. And it was an extremely difficult, difficult time. And staying there saved my life. And I don't think that I would be alive today if it wasn't for Discovery House and the hope that um, grew and blossomed there. And it that experience um, really was based on hope that my life would get better, that it could get better. And the hope that if I made the right decisions and, and took the right steps that things would get better and and that's what happened i uh, i um i applied to school i uh, did my um communications degree at mount royal university in my 40s and uh was the older than some of the parents uh, of many of the other people in my program. Uh, it was a very young um, cohort for that particular program. And so I think the next, I was 42 and the next oldest person was 28. And then the rest were in their very, very early 20s. And so that was a four-year program. And it was absolutely um, one of the best decisions I've ever made. And and I had a lot of fun and it was where I was meant to be. And, and that led to uh, the career that I've got today and to a whole new life and, and lots of opportunity. And, but again, as I said, all of that based on, on hope. And I think without hope, uh, we have to have hope in our personal and professional lives or we, what, there wouldn't be any reason to go on. Why would you um, um, keep moving forward? Why would you make changes in your life? And I think hope is absolutely uh, necessary and, and critical to our lives. And without it, uh, you know, really, you might as well throw in the towel because the other side of hope is despair. and and that's a very hard place to be. And so that's that's kind of my story as, as far as hope. And certainly in it certainly continued, you know, when I think about that, that 
in my um, consulting career, um, you know, I, I worked with large organizations for a while and then started consulting in 2007, right before the, the big downturn of 2008. So that was uh, another challenge and had to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and have hope that uh, this too would pass. And things got better for a while. And then in 2014, uh, things started to uh, go downhill again as far as our economy in Alberta. And then things got better again. And then we had COVID. And, you know, and certainly if anything's called upon our um, uh, reserves of resiliency and hope, it's it's been this last year, uh, which, you know, has been a, a hard year for everyone everywhere. And so really that's... Um, I would have to say hope is what's really kept me going through um, my entire life. What an incredible story, Denise. Thank you for your courage and your vulnerability to even share it with us. Um, I imagine that so many of my listeners hear parts of your story and resonate with them, you know, maybe not the specific details, but definitely the feelings of, of despair and not knowing where to go and then finding that hope to take the action to finally get you to where you want to be, to recognize that the future will be better than today. Um, and it sounds like, sounds like Discovery House was a place of compassion and community and sort of giving you that, that foundation, that place to feel safe so that you could start to make these other choices for yourself and for your kids, um, like going back to school at, at, in your 40s. You know, I think that's very, very cool. And I, I wonder, I wonder if, um, do you feel like Discovery House and that time was kind of the catalyst um, to where you are now? Is that, did you really find your hope in that, in that place? Oh, absolutely. When I went in there, I um, had left my entire life behind, my home, my um, neighborhood, my pets. Um, you know, I had my children, um, but everything else had to be left behind. And when I went in there, I was devastated to to be in this place. And you know, I, I came from um, a place of um, my ex-husband was quite successful. And we had, in spite of everything, we had, you know, a beautiful home. And, uh, you know, we lived quite well, except we lived in an insane asylum. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my my son referred to it one day as... Uh, after we left as, you know, good job on leaving, uh, on escaping Rancho Insano, mom. And, and that was really what it was. And, uh, uh, and so when I went in there, I, I had nothing, you know, I was, I was down and, uh, you know, had been physically and, and psychologically um, abused significantly. And was really just a shell of a person. I really was. And 
I walked hunched over and with my arms in front of me in a really protective stance. And, uh, you know, I couldn't believe that I had ended up in this place. And by the time I left, uh, nine months later, it was my, it was my safe place. It gave me back hope and, and belief that there could be a future. And, uh, and it was a hard place to be, but it was safe and, and it got me back on my feet and, and gave me the, like you said, the foundation to um, continue to build from there. We often talk about, uh, about how hope is contagious and how when you, you know, when you're, when you're not feeling so hopeful, look to the most hopeful person, you know, and, you know, borrow some of theirs so that when you are feeling good, you can kind of pay it forward. Um, and I, (laughs) you know, and and I, and I, I get to see you speak. I get to see you share your story. Um, and others get to hear it, but I, it just, it, fills me with so much hope to hear you now, here you are, um, sharing your story to give hope to others. You are being, you are uh, spreading the hope and being that contagious person that, you know, those number of years ago, you got it from someone else. You got it when you needed it the most and now you're paying it forward. And I think that's really, really cool. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, I feel a responsibility, uh, uh, especially with, you know, women and children in uh, domestic violence situations to speak out and and to say that it uh, doesn't just happen in in lower economic uh, socio. I can't talk. You know, lower economic socio. I can't. Okay, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Socioeconomic um, situations. Yeah, that, yeah. That, <laughs> it's, it's Monday, and I haven't had enough coffee. And uh, you know, it it happens everywhere. And it's, you know, and so don't believe that it can't be happening to your friend or your sister or your business colleague. And uh, it, you know, um, crosses all barriers. And, you know, the the message that I want to give is that, you know, there is hope and that life will get better, uh, you know, but if you leave and that, you know, um, unfortunately, by staying, it's it's not going to get better, and most likely it's going to get worse. That is such an important point to talk about um, about how it it doesn't discriminate whether it's abuse, mental illness, mental health, um, addiction, any of those things. It doesn't discriminate, and that is something that came home for me over the last four years um, when when mental health and addiction was very, very personal to me prior to, prior to my own personal experience and, and, and there, and therefore starting this work and getting to meet phenomenal people like you, um, I was very judgmental. I had never personally experienced that kind of trauma. I had never experienced that level of addiction in my mind, um, mental health, mental illness, mental, all of the things was somebody else's stuff. It was only happening on the fringes of society. It was only happening to people who didn't grow up in a house like I did. It was, didn't have the opportunities. It wasn't educated, all of those things. And that is dead wrong. Yeah. Actually dead wrong. And I, I so thank you for bringing up that 
that point because it cannot be underestimated. Um, we don't know what anybody is going through. And most often you don't see it because we don't talk about it out of shame, out of fear, out of, um, we don't want to be knocked off our pedestal that everybody is, you know, everybody is looking at us. Uh, we don't want to share it in the workplace because our persona is that we're successful and got it all together when really maybe we don't. Um, yeah. And most likely we probably don't. <laughs> so yeah. in my case, no one knew. Totally. You know, um, Mine either. I totally. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, my, um, None of my friends knew, uh, my family didn't know, and yeah, it's not something we talk about or, as you said, are willing to share because, you know, if we do, then we have to do something about it. <laughs> oh, take and, that action, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and then we have to admit things aren't as perfect as, you know, and, uh, and we have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's as human beings, that's not always an easy thing to do. And you know, and if we admit it, um, you know, as I said, we have to make changes. You know, um, or we, you know, um, or people, you know, you don't look very good if you're sticking around with in a very abusive home with two young kids. And you know, although I mean, we. People do it all the time, but, um, you know, and it's, it's a process to leave, but, uh, you know, or if, or if you have a, an addiction or a substance problem, you know, once you admit it, then you're, you're kind of on the hook to, to do something about it. It's, it's in not admitting it that you can continue with the behavior. So key, you're just dropping all sorts of wisdom here today um, <laughs> because, but you're right, because when the when the pain of where we're at is greater than the pain of where we're going, that's when we'll make a change. But until that pain is of where we are is less or is more scary than making a change, we'll stay where we are. Like my yeah. my counselor says to me, you will let the intolerable until the tolerable becomes intolerable you'll stay where you are because exactly. it's, to, it's tolerable, yeah. right? It's, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's not terrible. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we and justify we, it. Yeah. And that's why they call it rock bottom because it hurts. Or, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and that's when you come up against that wall of, um, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't, I have to, um, I have to make a change and, you know, whether that's to admit you have a, a problem with um, a substance or, or whatever it is. Like you said, once the pain of, of staying where you are becomes greater than the pain of changing, that's, that's when there's a possibility of, um, of hope, of change. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing. Very cool. Um, so we talked a little bit earlier about hope not being a strategy. And I believe, I believe that hope is a strategy, but I have a, diff, I have a, a, quite a personal definition of hope. Everybody's definition is quite different. Could you share with me what your definition of hope is? Hmm. Hope is, 
an internal thing. Mm-hmm. It's an inside uh, game. I mentioned in a, a post this morning that I don't believe or think of um, hope as a strategy. I think of hope as um, uh, kind of a launching pad, as a motivator. Uh, without hope, uh, you wouldn't be able to execute the strategy. Uh, you wouldn't create a strategy. I think it's part of a strategy, uh, but I wouldn't say hope on its own is a strategy um, because you can be hopeful, um, but if you never really do anything about it, it's really not a strategy. It's, um, you know, I think action is is what creates change and, and having that, you know, strategy of, of where you... Um, lay out what it is you want to do or, or have a plan. And of course, hope would be part of that. Um, without hope, you probably wouldn't create that strategy. You would just stay where you are. And so um, I would say it's part of the strategy, but I wouldn't, in my opinion, not the whole strategy. See, and that's the beautiful part is we all get our own opinions. Th- that's awesome. I have heard, um, I also believe that hope is part of a strategy. Uh, if we don't have hope, I've been known to say that hope without action is just a wish. Yeah. You know, exactly. if you, you cannot win the lotto if you don't buy a ticket. Exactly. Um, right. So, um, so I totally agree with you that hope is definitely part of a strategy, but I want to take it a little one step further and say that hope is a strategy because strategy in my mind, if we think like, let's think corporate Canada, corporate America, about a strategy. It's that vision, right? It's that, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How is our future going to be better than today? And then the steps to implement said strategy is all that action that we talk about. If I relate the corporate strategy to um, hope theory, which is, so hope is a a sub-science within the field of science called positive psychology. And hope theory says that um, it's goals. So let's say strategy, goals equal strategy, plus agency thinking, which is our internal motivation, our why, why we want to execute on said strategy, plus pathways thinking, which is all the different ways that we are going to go about accomplishing that goal, meeting those strategic objectives, and overcoming the barriers and barriers and obstacles that are absolutely going to get in the way every single time. Um, like my father-in-law tells me plans in sand goals in concrete, because you know, as you're getting to that strategy, something's going to get in the way and you've got to redo the plan. So, um, so I definitely agree with you that hope is part of a strategy, but I also feel like hope can be the strategy if the strategy fits within that equation of goals plus agency thinking plus pathways thinking. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, you have to have hope as part of the strategy, like we said before, because just as you said now, when uh, you're going to run into barriers or, or um, plans will need to change, you're going to need hope to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you don't have that and you run into these barriers and these challenges again it's it could stop you cold if you didn't have hope yeah and, uh, so I think we're you know kind of 
talking the same thing. We're and well we, aligned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, just maybe coming at it from a um, perhaps a different way of saying it or articulating it. Yeah. Well, and that's the part. That's the part I love about these kinds of conversations because I think hope has a PR problem. You know, as a communications person, as someone who specializes in telling stories, um, I really think that hope has a PR problem, and more people need to have these kinds of conversations, to recognize the power of hope, to recognize the impact, the internal impact that knowing that your future will be better than today and using that as the motivation to take that next step, to do the next hard thing and recognize the tangibility of that, that it's not just this fluffy woo-woo feeling out there that is has traditionally been what we've talked about right. when we use the word hope. Um, and so I love to have these kinds of conversations where we can we can kind of relate it to what people know about in the business world or something like that um, to really recognize the power of it. Um, oh, absolutely. And articulate why it's such an important thing, yeah. And as you said a moment ago, the power of hope, it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, we need it. Uh, or we'd just give up and uh, stay stuck. And personally, that's not a place I want to be. No, no, you and me both, sister. You and me both. (laughs) Um, We've talked about how hope is contagious. And if we want to, if we're not feeling so hopeful, we go and look for other people that are exemplifying um, hopeful feelings in action. Where do you see hope in others? I have a, a great uh, support group, um, mostly of women, who are all very hopeful people, very um, strong, fierce women, and uh, a very amazing, fierce daughter, and uh, who um, I want to be like when I grow up, and uh, and. Yeah, and an amazing son, and and my children and I have come through a really, you know, we came through a hard time together, and you know, um, I needed hope to to keep going for them, and and where I I get hope from today is, um, yeah, from these women and and from my children and. I'm a fairly spiritual person, so I, um, you know, I get a lot of my hope from from that, and and also the fact that I believe this too shall pass. Whenever I, I come, you know, which is another way of of saying hope, and uh, you know, is it's a hope that whatever dark place I'm in or challenging place I'm in, that um, there's light at the end of that tunnel. And that's really hope in a nutshell. And so I, you know, I, I get it internally. I get it from, um, um, from my friends and, uh, um, yeah. And so it's absolutely a a huge part of my life. Yes. Um, well, and it, it definitely shows, I mean, all of your actions come, I feel like come from a very hopeful place. You use the term, um, 
light at the end of the tunnel. And one of my girlfriends says that hope for her is being close enough to make shadow puppets in the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> right? Yeah. That imagery yeah. just it gets me every time. Um great visual for right? sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh and 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 recognizing that the light at the end of the tunnel is not a train. You know, <laughs> it is <Yeah>. truly <laughs> the goodness yeah. at the light at the end it, of the it tunnel. It is light. It is yeah. space for um things to grow and to expand and you know when you're in the tunnel it's dark and enclosed and, mm -hmm. and you know but uh when you come out into that light there's huge space for possibility yeah and 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 that's what we have to always remember is that um there is possibility on the other side I like that you use that language. My podcast guest last week, that was her definition of hope. She says, hope for her feels like possibility. Absolutely. And I, yeah. And I just thought that was very, very cool. Um, it's cool that you made that connection as well. Um, so in your work as a storyteller, as a communication specialist, you must bring hope to your, to your, to your clients, the people you are ghostwriting for the companies that you're writing for. Um, do you, can you share with us how you feel like you sh how you share your hope with your with your clients and help them to find theirs? That's a great question, Lindsay. Uh, the way I would look at that from a business perspective and and from bringing hope into my um, clients' lives and and their customers' lives. With the work that I do, we're creating possibilities and we're creating the opportunity for uh, for change. And <clears throat> excuse me. And when I'm working with clients to help them share their stories, what I'm looking to do is help them dig deeper and and find those real stories that will connect with their um, audiences and will also help their audiences to understand how my clients will make their lives better because that's essentially what their customers or their clients are looking for is how will you make my life better so they're looking for um, change for hope for uh, tools to make their lives better for survival for you know the basic things they need for um ways to to flourish in their own lives so when i'm working with a, a client uh what happens with a, a lot of businesses is they they focus a lot on what they think the story is or on their service or their product rather than looking at what it is their customer is looking for and telling the story that shows that they're a guide to help them get um, to that change that they're looking for, that improvement in their lives, uh, that hope that they want, that um, their lives will get better. And, and it doesn't have to be anything really, you know, significant, but they're looking to change something. They're looking, uh, whether that's just a different way to eat or, um, you know, a, a different car or, um, it, you know, uh, working with, say, for example, um, an investment advisor um, who is helping them to uh, build their dreams. I, I help them to tell that story so that they 
the their customers understand how my clients can help them realize their dreams and hopes. One of these days, you're going to write my story for me. (laughs) I'd love to. As we've talked about any number of times. And one of these days, I will pull the trigger on that. Yeah, well, you're... You've been recorded saying that now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think that didn't cross my mind as I was planning out to say it out loud. Um, It is, yeah, definitely you being able to share, to help other people tell their story, to help me someday tell my story. um, That's very hopeful. So that'd be very hopeful. Yeah, and you've got an amazing story. And, you know, you're, um, you're a beacon of hope to people with, you know, the story that you've shared and, uh, or that you've gone through and, and the work that you're doing um, to share that and to, to make people's lives better. Thank you. That's, that's what you do. Well, thank you. I love to do it. Um, it has been, you know, like you, a quite the journey to get to where I am. And, um, you know, we always talk about recovery is for life, right? It's, it is not a one and done. It is not something that, that, is a time in your life that you go through and then you're free of it forever. You know, it's a, the growth, the journey, right? Yeah. Um, the growth and the journey is, is for always. And I am blessed to be able to, to have conversations like this with you, to be able to talk out loud, to share out loud um, my story and, and to hear yours. So thank you so, so much for being here on the podcast today. It has been it has taken a ton of courage and a ton of vulnerability to be able to share, um, to to be here and to, and to talk out loud. So thank you very much. I know how much your story will have resonated with so many people and uh, the work that you're doing um, as a woman, as a human, and as a beacon of hope for others is just awesome. So thank you very, very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on your podcast. You bet. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. These episodes are a labor of love. Inspiring conversations with hopeful people make my heart happy. If you also love this episode, it would be amazing if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Five stars if you're into it. It's these reviews that encourage Apple to promote this podcast to their network. And the more people that listen, the more hope we can spread into the world. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode to find all the links to my guests, books, and other resources referenced in this episode. You'll also find the link back to my website where you will find additional support and resources for you, your team, and your community. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And hearing from these guests on these episodes, I know that even more hopeful future is totally possible. I'm always looking for inspirational guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. You can find me on the contact form of my website at expertinhope.com or by email at lindsay at expertinhope.com. When I was a teenager and my sisters were leaving the house to go out for the night, I always made it a point to remind them to call me if they need me. It was my way to tell them that I cared and would always be there for them. I'd love you to know the same, so all of you listening out there, call me if you need me. Again, thank you for your love and support of this podcast, my work in hope, and your intentional focus on making your future better than today. After all, hope without action is just a wish.